Welcome to season two of Healthcare Reimagined, the Society for Healthcare Innovations podcast series. Our goal is to showcase innovation in the private sector, as well as within provider organizations and government entities. On Healthcare Reimagined, we share strategies from clinicians, entrepreneurs, health system executives, and business and political leaders who have shifted their models to meet the new reality brought on by COVID-19. Welcome to episode one of season two of Healthcare Reimagined. Today, I spoke with Meghna Patel, who is the Deputy Secretary of Health Innovation at the Pennsylvania Department of Health. We had a very interesting conversation about how the PADOH is addressing the opioid crisis, as well as the COVID Alert PA app. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Meghna. I know you've been working on a prescription drug monitoring system as well as COVID Alert PA. Perhaps we could start with the former and just give us a little bit of an update about what you guys have done and, and what exists today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Koi, uh, when I joined Department of Health, um, I started uh, with my role as a director of prescription drug monitoring program office. Uh, the very first task uh, we had here was to launch the PDMP. Uh, prescription drug monitoring program uh, and the database itself, uh, which uh, should be accessible to all licensed medical professionals in Pennsylvania. And we had to launch that uh, in less than five months. Uh, It's obviously a mammoth task and uh, we were behind in many states. And so uh, uh, we certainly launched this uh, PDMP system within the five-month timeframe. And since then, the, the system itself has over 110,000 users uh, in Pennsylvania. Um, And essentially this system captures all controlled substances schedule, uh, 225 controlled substances prescription history, and it helps uh, clinically as a tool uh, to all the providers in Pennsylvania and all the pharmacies in the Pennsylvania and pharmacists uh, to basically Uh, check the prescription history of an individual before they uh, prescribe or dispense any uh, controlled substances to the individuals. Um, It's essential because we're in the opioid epidemic uh, for uh, many years now, and uh, the opioid crisis has certainly taken a lot of lives here. Um, And essentially, uh, this all curve started with uh, prescription drugs, and we want to make sure that uh, the prescription drugs are judiciously prescribed and not over-prescribed. So this system helps a lot with uh, um, with curbing the opioid epidemic. And, and it certainly is an epidemic. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's It's been a, a very big problem for very many years, and it's probably not going to get better uh, as a result of, of what's happening in the world today. Two questions for you about the platform. The first would be if, um, if it, it communicates with other states? And then the second would be how long ago this was was implemented? Yeah, so um, I'll answer the second one first because there's a little bit of history there. Uh, PDMP has been in Pennsylvania since the 70s, but um, it was mostly used for law enforcement purposes. So only uh, investigators could have access to it and law enforcement officials. It was never used as a clinical tool. And in uh, August of 2016, it was essentially 
under uh, under my leadership, my my secretary's leadership, um, and Governor Wolf's leadership, um, along with my team, uh, we launched it in August of 2016 for all the clinicians. Um, again, for uh, providers, for pharmacists, and so they could use it for clinical purposes. Uh, so uh, the PDMP system is uh, it's uh, sharing information with over 20 some states in the U.S. Uh, and, and the interoperability between uh, those states that have PDMP and, and Pennsylvania, the providers can seamlessly search their patients uh, across state border lines. Super important. And are you able to see, um, or, or have you guys been gathering real-time data on what this has done to overdoses and hospitalizations related to, to the opioid crisis? Yeah, so uh, within the Prescription Drug Monitoring Program Office uh, here in Pennsylvania, we uniquely have uh, not only collected this information and made this system available for providers uh, and pharmacists, but also uh, we uh, have a surveillance branch uh, and we do a lot of surveillance related activities. And that is mostly to understand where the uh, fatal and non-fatal uh, drug-related, opioid-related overdoses are occurring. Um, and so certainly we get um, almost in a near real time information from uh, over 94% of the emergency departments uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, just the uh, basic information of how many overdoses are showing up. Um, we also uh, work with, uh, in terms of fatal overdoses, we work with uh, vital records office here in Pennsylvania, but also with the uh, coroners and medical examiners uh, from their respective counties uh, to try to understand what was uh, the uh, uh, sort of the fatal death uh, case and, and additional information around the circumstances of how the person died. Now, that helps in a many ways to for us to understand where we need to ensure we have our mitigation efforts or um, sort of prevention and intervention efforts, where we need to spread the naloxone the most, uh, where we need to ensure education is needed. Um, and a lot of uh, that surrounds around stigma too. And obviously the state has done along with Department of Drug and Alcohol programs, uh, a, a lot of effort on stigma reduction, ensuring that uh, uh, you know patients that are getting overdosed obviously get access to treatment that they need. Um, yeah, which, which is so important. And, right. and I know that it's only been around for a couple of years, but have you guys been able to measure a significant drop off in these poor outcomes related to opioids? Yeah. So since the launch of the PDMP system, which was in August, 2016, uh, we've seen drastic decrease in the opioid prescribing uh, that has gone over 35% um, in Pennsylvania. We've also seen reduction in benzodiazepine going over 20% in Pennsylvania. Um, uh, the problematic prescribing behavior where we see um, overlapping drug combinations of benzodiazepine and opioids have gone down. Um, even higher dosages of opioids uh, which, uh, you know, the prescribing guidelines from the state and from the CDC talk about uh, at least ensuring that the new patients don't start at a higher dosage of opioids. Uh, so opioids uh, greater than 90 MME per day have gone by over 50%. Uh, 
Um, another prescribing behavior uh, that we have seen uh, go down drastically is the number of individuals uh, going and seeing uh, over five providers and over five uh, pharmacists and going to over five pharmacists uh, has gone down to about 95%. Um, so that's, that's huge uh, sort of success in Pennsylvania. I mean, we're bringing a clinical tool where normally, um, you know, providers try to understand the medical history of patients. They also, through the PDMP, try to understand an opioid prescribing history of patients. That's fantastic. One of the things that, that came up for me and, and others may be thinking as well, you know, there's been a significant move towards telehealth among mental health providers as COVID has required that we uh, stay apart. And I know that some of these telehealth platforms integrate with uh, pharma and, and have a means of prescribing drugs that are built into these video platforms. Have you guys uh, figured out a way to provide information to these providers in real time about these patients, uh, or are they going to a separate system to get that information? No, so when we started uh, PDMP, it was a web portal, a standalone portal. Um, the people, I mean, the providers and the pharmacists and the pharmacies were uh, going and checking the system. Um, after a few months since the launch, our main focus, and we've heard the providers talk about how this needs to be seamlessly integrated in their electronic health record system, uh, or even the pharmacy dispensing system. And so right off the bat, we made sure we had funding. We worked with our, our vendor and our uh, electronic health record uh, system partners and dispensing vendors to uh, immediately bring all these um, uh, providers uh, seamlessly accessing the PDMP system. So it is uh, integrated uh, it, almost in over 60% or over of our EHRs and pharmacy dispensing systems in Pennsylvania. Great, great. And I could ask you a million more questions about this, but I am particularly excited to hear about COVID Alert PA, which I know you have been working very hard on. So perhaps you can speak a little bit about what that is and, uh, and what you've been working on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about history of the COVID alert PA. And first of all, um, when the pandemic hit here um, in the US and we started hearing, obviously this coming from uh, China, we, we started to see cases and certainly we never realized this was going to hit pandemic at the scale and the, and the level and the speed of it that came through. Um, and a lot of focus was on a lot of mitigation strategies. And uh, right about in May, um, Apple and Google, these two tech giants, they announced a joint effort where they wanted to use the uh, Bluetooth low energy technology that pretty much all smartphones have at this time. Um, and they wanted to leverage that technology to help with contact tracing. And you know, right off the bat, I can explain to you that mitigation strategies to stop the spread of COVID-19 uh, are, are so much important. One of that is contact tracing. Um, and in the traditional contact tracing, usually um, a, uh, you know, a disease investigator or a case investigator here in Pennsylvania, they try to reach out to every single positive case individual um, and they try to understand who they came in close contact with. 
Usually this is done so that public health can reach out to those close contacts and alert them saying that they might have been exposed. Uh, so these contacts can monitor themselves, get tested, stay at home um, or take precautions. And contact tracing effectively tries to slow the spread of COVID-19. Um, but why we brought this exposure notification system that Apple and Google announced uh, in Pennsylvania is we realized that during these disease investigation calls, usually a positive COVID-19 individual uh, could only name their family members at home, uh, potentially their neighbors or even extended family or friends when they try to recollect who they came in close contact with. Um, usually a unknown or unfamiliar interaction is something that they cannot explain or describe. Um, so if this positive COVID-19 individual went to a grocery store or a restaurant food pickup line or a pharmacy store and interacted with a stranger whom um, he, she, or they cannot identify or provide contact of, essentially the stranger who came in close contact with the positive COVID-19 individual had no idea that they were exposed. Um, so this individual would go out and about probably carrying their routine work and completely unaware and continue to spread the virus. So what happens is um, usually in the traditional contact tracing process, close contacts are identified if you name them. But if you cannot name the strangers, or recollect those who came in close contact with, those are the exposures um, where individuals would not know that they were exposed. So this COVID Alert PA app that we brought in uh, through the app and Google's exposure notification system was very uniquely positioned because it only used Bluetooth technology. Um, it didn't collect, uh, obviously it's an opt-in and voluntary app uh, for anyone to be used here in Pennsylvania, but it absolutely does not collect any location. Um, it does not collect any GPS or geolocation at all. Uh, there's no means for the phone to enable that. Um, and uh, there's no means for the app also to collect that information. And it was very uniquely positioned because Bluetooth usually helps um, calculate time and distance very well. And because it's a uh, anonymous technology, it can help identify the proximity and can, use, and can be used to alert uh, individuals if they come in close contact with someone who was attested positive for COVID-19. Now, is it used more for the informing of individuals that they've been in close proximity to others? Is it used by contact tracers? And will those alerts be triggered based on a certain amount of time spent within a certain proximity, or is it anyone who's come within six feet of someone who tests positive? Well, um, good questions. Uh, how about I give you an example and see if that helps answer your question. So um, let's take uh, you and myself as strangers, if that's okay, Corey. Um, sure. <laughs> and let's say you and I are strangers. We meet in a park, and we both have apps on our phones. And um, we're sitting on a park bench and we're within six feet. And in this time, we talk to each other for 15 minutes or more. So what happens in the background is our phone devices have masked everything and they generate uh, something called a Bluetooth key, 
which is nothing but a random alphanumeric value. And that's done through the Apple and Google's uh, exposure notification API that they have created. But because we talk to each other for 15 minutes or more and we're within six feet, we're on a park bench, um, our phone devices exchange this Bluetooth handshake, the exchange of the Bluetooth keys, um, and it stores on the device itself. It, it doesn't go anywhere. This information stays in your phone. Um, after that interaction, let, we go back to our normal life. Uh, a few days later, I test positive and I get a call from a Department of Health public health case investigator. Uh, what happens in that a case investigation is, you know, normal, usual questions about how am I feeling, who did I came in close contact with, uh, what are my symptoms, and all of that. And during that process, the case investigator will give me a, a unique six-digit validation code. And usually this is provided because they can confirm if I was actually positive through the app. We don't want normally anyone to just go into the app and claim that they're positive. So this is one of the secured ways to um, receive a code from Department of Health. I insert that code in the app. And as I confirm it through the app, um, what happens is my Bluetooth key, that random alphanumeric value that I talked about, would be flagged as positive. Mm -hmm. And every uh, few hours, uh, this Bluetooth keys uh, they match against each other, almost like play a bingo to see who came across as positive to someone. And then what happens is because you and I met a few days back um, and we and we both were within six feet for 15 minutes or more. Um, obviously, I don't know your name and we just interacted casually. What will happen is that you will get a notification in that instance once I upload my random ID is that you and the message will be very anonymous obviously the message will be something like you came in close contact with someone who was recently tested positive so, so it's not a dating app no no <laughs> it's not a dating app um it's 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 an exposure alert uh, app there's other features also but uh, no there's no dating advice in there Although when you get an alert, Corey, in this situation, you will get a public health advice um, saying what to do and how to take care of yourself and protect others. But let's say for a sec, you, you get an alert and you obviously are void and you wanna to talk to a public health representative, then there's an option to, uh, uh, for you to put, put your callback number and someone from Department of Health will give you a call. What happens is, if you notice, in the traditional contact tracing process, if I was interviewed by public health, I would not know how to describe you. I would probably say, yes, I met someone in a park. I don't know this person's name, and I don't know who he is, but we met. And you basically never got any call from anyone that you were exposed uh, to COVID-19. But what this app does is it anonymously tells you that you got an exposure alert and then you will take precautions and be cautious and, and we'll take those measures. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And, and certainly uh, protecting people's privacy is, is paramount to convincing them that downloading this is a good idea. And so I think the measures that you guys have taken make a lot of sense. 
what kind of success have you seen to date in terms of the percentage of folks who have downloaded this? Um, that's a great question. So this app has been live since September 22nd. It's almost a week and a day or here. Um, and we've seen over 185,000 downloads of the app. Um, we This app is only accessible to individuals 18 and above. So we obviously know in Pennsylvania, the population of individuals 18 and above is about 9.3 to 9.7 million here out of the 12.8 million population. Um, this is a novel technology. So when we researched about this technology and when we learned that Apple and Google came about with this, uh, what we tried to do is we reached out to several countries' health departments like Australia, Singapore, and Ireland, and Germany. And we wanted to learn how they're using it, what are their measures and metrics and so forth. I will say that Ireland and Germany are considered gold standards of implementing this technology. Ireland has about 40% of their population downloading this app. Um, I mean, so uh, right off the get-go when they launched it, within a few days, they achieved uh, a really good target that they had established. I believe they wanted to at least pass 8-15%. And then Germany has about 22 to 23% of their population that downloaded this app. So when I think about uh, US, in the US, there's no nationwide app, there's no countrywide app. And so every state is coming up with their own respective apps. And, um, you know, uh, we're in the time of uh, uh, election year, and obviously a lot of misinformation uh, epidemic is is been seen here in the U.S. While people uh, want to trust the technology, there are a lot of uh, individuals who don't uh, quite understand how this works and don't trust the technology. So obviously, we are doing our better job here to make this app completely open sourced um, and available for technology experts to scrutinize this app and make it transparent. But to try to achieve a better goal, uh, we have to do a lot of promotion. We have to make sure users adopt to this app. Um, a study was done uh, basically uh, just recently by the Oxford University and Stanford University and team of Google researchers um, that if 15% of the population even downloads this app, the effectiveness in terms of reduction in COVID-19 cases and COVID-19 deaths is somewhere from 3% to, it can lead up to 15% reduction. Wow, um, that's, that's quite significant. Yeah, right. But, but this is a predictive modeling. And this was a study. It's obviously not a peer-reviewed study, but it, uh, there's a lot of information that could be uh, collected in terms of metrics of, you know, how many alerts went out. Uh, if these alerts went out, uh, are we seeing individuals get tested because of these alerts? Um, and if they are tested, how many individuals we're seeing um, as come out as positive individuals? Uh, because then we alerted those individuals to take care of themselves, go get tested early. In this case, Corey, if you had never gotten, uh, with the example that I provided, if you had never gotten an alert, you would probably not think of getting tested or taking precaution. Um, and hence, why we're seeing this global pandemic because people just continue out and about doing their work 
uh, without without being aware that they could carry the virus or spread the virus themselves. Right, makes sense. Um, you'd mentioned to me that New York and New Jersey had um, rolled out their apps today as well, and a lot of our listeners do come from the tri-state. So I wonder if you have any important information about these apps that you think is worth sharing with healthcare executives, um, entrepreneurs, and just concerned citizens that might be beneficial? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that um, I mentioned that obviously in the U.S. we don't have a national uh, app here or a countrywide app here. So states are coming up with their own respective apps. Uh, When we started researching how and what kind of app we should bring here in Pennsylvania, very early on, we realized that Pennsylvanians don't stay in Pennsylvania. They cross state borderlines for a variety of reasons, either to access healthcare, uh, do grocery shopping, or for job purposes. And so we started uh, creating a multi-state coordination calls with all of our neighboring states. Um, And through that partnership, we have now uh, four states all working together, which is Delaware, Pennsylvania, New York, and New Jersey, and New York and New Jersey Uh, went live uh, today, which is very excellent. Um, We're working uh, here to make sure that our apps are interoperable. What it means is that um, when I travel to New York, I don't have to download New York's app. The Pennsylvania's app can work seamlessly in the background and vice versa for even New York's. And uh, we also realized that as states are coming up with their own state-specific apps, At the end of the day, we don't want uh, residents to have 50 state apps on their phone. So uh, we're working with Apple and Google and the states who have their apps and states who are interested in the exposure notification system. Uh, We're working with Association of Public Health Laboratory uh, who has developed a national interoperability platform, uh, which will allow seamless interoperability between states. And so, our hope is that as uh, you know, we have at least a dozen or so states here in the U.S. that have the exposure notification system. If they all align and uh, work with uh, APHL, the Association of Public Health Labs, and as more states come on board, that here in the U.S. it would at least help um, uh, you know people if they're traveling the state borderlines that it. When it is easy to contact trace, uh, all of these sort of exposure alerts will work seamlessly uh, across the state borderlines. Great. I think that's that's hopefully helpful to folks. So, Magna, thank you for taking the time to speak with us, and thank you for everything that you and your department are doing to try to keep Pennsylvanians safe. I know it is much appreciated, and uh, thank you again for, for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure, Corey. Thank you very much.